This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's All Songs Considered from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. This week, we continue our look back at some of our favorite episodes from over the years with one we did about the songs that get you through your teenage years. Sometimes music can be your closest friend. It can lift you up, make you laugh, make you feel seen, and get you through tough times, especially when you're growing up. So we asked listeners to tell us what songs got them through their teens. We share their stories and the music they picked, but we start the episode with Bob Boylan and how he first had the idea for this show. A few weeks ago, I got a message from Stephen Feller. He's a Facebook friend, and he asked me for some recommendations for his daughter. His daughter was turning 13, and he wanted to give her this gift. I thought it was a beautiful gift. It was a gift of 25 albums that will help get her through her teens. She was just turning 13, and he asked me for my 10 favorites. Now, my 10 favorites for my teens are sort of the department of the obvious in many ways. Uh, they're records like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Beggar's Banquet by the Stones, Electric Ladyland by Hendrix, Neil Young After the Gold Rush, Led Zeppelin II, could have been any of them really, uh, Dylan's Blonde on Blonde, The Doors. And one record I picked in particular was a record by a group called King Crimson, King Crimson's In the Court of the Crimson King. It was a record that I remember singing the theme of when I walked down the aisle at my graduation with my friend uh, Pete uh, Blackman, Robin Hilton's here with me. And hey, Bob. Hi, Robin. We got what four, five hundred posts. Oh, so many, so many recommendations from people. Yeah. And so we put out a call to people to call us and tell us not only on the blog post, but to call us and tell us the tunes that got them through their teens. And so today on All Songs Considered, we're going to play some of the stories and some of the songs. Many of the songs, many of us all know, they're because they're older. That's the nature of this beast. But the stories may resonate with you. They certainly resonated with me. And uh, can I kick it off with uh, my friend Sean Coakley? Yeah, absolutely. Because Sean reacted to my King Crimson, which is probably on my list of all the things I just rattled off, was probably the unusual one in the list, probably the one right. that maybe not everybody knows. So it's certainly a classic record from 1969. And Sean has a story of King Crimson that's a lot better than me walking down the aisle at my graduation singing in the court of the Crimson King. When I was in high school in the early 70s, one of my best friends was named Casey Jones. Yeah, he, he took me to my first dead show, and he remains one of my best buddies today. Since his parents were very social and went out almost every weekend night, our group of stoners would congregate in his attic. We'd been allowed to paint the walls black and decorate it with the accoutrements of pleasure, a great stereo, beanbag chairs, hidden water pipe, etc. Anyway, Casey got hurt and ended up in the hospital for several weeks. And while he was recuperating, his peeps decided to surprise him and paint a mural of In the Court of the Crimson King at the top of the attic stairs. He was delighted because we'd used day-glow paint and installed a black light. Walking up those stairs was never quite the same after that. It really is a great album, and we were delighted to see the band play at the Allen Theater in Cleveland in 1971 or two. I remember it was the first time I'd ever seen an electric guitarist play seated on the stage. I thought they were the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and they probably were.
are shattered by the sun I walk a road, horizons change The tournament's begun The purple piper plays his tune The choir softly sing Three lullabies in an ancient tongue For the court of the crimson Eight minutes or something, and we'll, we're just going to play snippets of songs today because we'll uh, we'll be here for hours and hours. Bob, actually, I felt so sorry for you. You went to turn it down to talk over it, and you you just couldn't do it. You you turned the mics back off. You had to hear more. I'm going to go home and listen to the whole <laughs> record tonight. God, I love this. I, I got to say, I love this. I love this music, but the the album art that uh, your friend mentioned that that they had painted that was yeah. it at the top of the stairs That's right. and they go paint. Paint. It's the most horrifying picture I've ever seen in my life. It's the end of the world. It's a, it's a man's <laughs> face seeing the end of the world. Basically, is how I always thought of that uh, that photograph. And I used to keep, told you the story. I used yeah. to keep this album cover uh, facing me when I woke up in the morning. It's the first thing I would see every end. It's the last thing I'd see before I go to sleep. Blood red picture of a guy just screaming mm-hmm. in abject terror. Yeah. And and why that was so calming for you or your friend. I just can't even get my mind around it. It's like, <laughs> why would you pick the most horrifying image imaginable to uh, ground you? Yeah, there was something cathartic about it. I think we, we maybe will deal with catharsis sometime in the show because I think I think it's a reoccurring theme in the blog posts and so forth as to what it is about a piece of music that gets you through your teens. Why does it matter? Why is it important? And I think uh, one of them is the idea that it's a release a lot of the stories that we got, uh, both uh, in comments that people left on the blog and, and in the, the audio files and phone messages that people gave us, one of the recurring themes was love and crushes and sex and first loves and all those things were, are all wrapped up in music. And a lot of them were tied to people's middle school and early high school years. And we got this really sweet story uh, from a woman named Ray who lives in China now. She originally lived in D.C. She had this story to tell about one of her first crushes. I finally worked up the nerve to say something. I felt, you know, sixth grade was the year I was going to graduate. So I needed to tell him before we never saw each other again. And so I opened up my poor little heart to my adorable crush, Max. And I think all I got was a pretty much neutral, well, you're okay, kind of response. 
Now, this is not the kind of response you want to get from the love of your life. And I was, I was crushed. I, I, I was, you know, I was horrified. And I was just really sad. And I'm the eldest in my family. And I don't really have any cousins. And I just didn't really know where to turn. So I just started spending a lot of time in my room <clears throat> by myself, just sort of laying around. And I'd recently gotten this radio. It's like radio, CD, cassette player, like you do in the 90s. And um, I turned on the radio one day. And the song came on, and I still remember the moment of me lying in my bed, and it just it just said everything that I needed someone to say to me. It just shook me, shook my shoulders, and just, like, held me. And it wasn't like the pop crap I'd been listening to. I'd been listening to such bad music before, you know, top 100 hits and that. And here was this, like, hard, heavy, distorted guitar, grungy, dirty, depressing-sounding song that just, like, lifted me up. And of course, the song was Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. And I never looked back after that. There's a famous lyric someone said that music is my boyfriend, music is my girlfriend. And I kind of ascribed to that. I think music, the right music, can really make life worth living when sometimes it feels like it's not. Won't you come? Won't you come? 
I, I haven't heard this song in so long. Yeah. I, I really, really love this song. I, I was really happy to hear her story. I thought it was very sweet. And there's so much wrapped up in, in Ray's story. Uh, you know, uh, discovering music on the radio, for example, yeah. an alternative to the pop that she was hearing, the, the whole idea of music and romance and heartache. And then also she talked a little bit about what you were saying, and the, it's this dirty, depressing, harsh sound that was uplifting for her. It's a companion in a way. It's, it's um, yeah, I mean, you could go, you could be depressed and listen, try to listen to happy music, but to me, I just want to brush that away. To me, I want a companion that I can hold on to, and it's more emotive. It's more reflective of how I'm feeling as opposed to how maybe it would be better to feel. Yeah. The other part about Ray's story that uh, is a recurring theme and certainly was a, a theme in my life as a kid, I was alone in my room. Yeah. What she says. And you see that over and over again. And I don't know about you, but uh, I spent a great deal of time uh, alone in my room with my record player and my radio. Yeah, ab absolutely. And But I think for me, I had just the exact opposite reaction to music and how I was feeling. If I was feeling, you know, stressed out or anxious or angry, I, I retreated to music that was very calming and soothing, like you know, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, something very sort of ambient and lovely and relaxing as well. I thought that's something only older people did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved watching the Lawrence Welk show with, on TV with my, my parents every weekend. They were just lovely and happy times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those happy times, I, I was thinking that I didn't want to give the impression that, that everyone who wrote in about being in their room wasn't happy. I was thrilled to be in my room right. listening to music, right? Mm -hmm. But there was there was something wonderful. But there was for people who did have awkwardly social junior high school, which is maybe most people, uh, yeah. there was that, I'm going to bury myself in my room and, and turn something on and hopefully it'll turn me on. There's somebody who, who tells a flaming lip story, right? Yeah, this is TJ from Oklahoma who uh, tells a story of growing up uh, in a sort of country rural area, at least relative to the rest of the country. I grew up in Kansas. I felt a little bit of what he was talking about. You know, if you're sort of the weird kid in a town where everybody knows you and each other, it can be really hard to fit in sometimes. And he thought he was just in the worst possible place on the planet in Oklahoma. And then he discovered something wonderful right there in his own home. The first time that music really saved me was at the end of junior high. Junior high is a horrible time for pretty much anybody, especially if you're um, a pudgy only child, awkwardly social. I was not a normal kid by any means. I had a weird sense of humor. I had weird taste, and I generally just did not fit in with most of my peers. And I was scared uh, going into high school. I hated the talent I was in. I hated the school I was going to. I was just generally bored with life and just restless. But anyway, uh, right then uh, at the start of high school, 1992, I heard uh, a band from right there in Oklahoma City, uh, The Flaming Lips. And the album was uh, Hit to Death in the Future Head. And I think I, I just I found it like in a record store and the cover looked odd. <laughs> and I bought it. I just kind of want to whim, you know, because covers look cool. Yeah, and I listened to it, and, and it was amazing. It was uh, just quirky and and psychedelic and, and weird, you know, and, and just nonsensical at parts, but just really astute at other parts. 
musically just full of life and energy and it came from like right there where i was just miles minutes you know from from where i was growing up that the town that i thought was so boring and drab and and, and really bringing me down and uh here's music here's a soundtrack that's being made uh, miles from where i'm growing up and it really made me realize that uh yeah it's okay to be weird it's okay to be different um even even if you're in oklahoma <laughs> So that the song is talking about the smiling death porn immortality blues everyone wants to live from forever flaming lips i thought this was sufficiently weird enough for a guy who said he just felt weird and that was okay yeah i, I the lyrics in the song i can see why this this guy connected with it and and that extra special moment where you live in oklahoma uh to have a band that's that just is so innovative and, yeah. and creative right in your neighborhood Way to go. One other thing I loved about uh, TJ's story was that he picked this album at a record store just because of the cover art. Yeah. Now, I wonder how much that happens now, you know, with music, people buying music digitally now. If you ever discover something just because you like the way it looks. I think the closest you come is, is a video. Yeah. You like the video. Yeah. But, but there you hear the music. And it's, so it's, you're total, I mean, how many records I bought as a kid because of the cover? An awful lot. Yeah, and, and it still works because, you know, the CDs that come in, 
that we listen to here, will the ones that get our attention just because of the way they look are usually the first ones we listen to. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm Bob Boylan here with Robin Hilton. We're talking about the tunes that got us through our teens. For NPR Music, it's all songs considered. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Visit Myrtle Beach. Sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline, Myrtle Beach was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Combine that with the aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox, streaming the Agatha Christie collection, including series like Poirot, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, and new original mystery Murder is Easy. The Agatha Christie collection, streaming at BritBox.com NPR. On this week's episode of Wildcard, comedian Bowen Yang says you don't have to feel bad for falling short on mindfulness. I get in my own way by, like, over-privileging the present. It's so interesting because everyone wants to be in the present. I feel like being present is overrated. I'm Rachel Martin. Join us for NPR's Wild Card Podcast, the game where cards control the conversation. So we're talking about tunes that got you through your teens. Uh, Robin Hilton here with Bob Boylan. And we, we had listeners send in their personal stories. And the very first story we got really hit me hard. It's from a woman named Lila. She lives in Brazil. I'll just let her tell her own story, but it's about one of the times in her life when music really came to her rescue. Uh, last year, when I was 21, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I was pretty sick and in pain. And during a bunch of months, I listened to Beatles songs all the time especially those ones from the early 60s, because they were so simple and fun and lovely. And there was this particular one that helped me getting through it. And it was I Need You from the album uh, Help by George. And I would listen to it all the time. It was a pretty important song to me. It was so simple and sweet that it made me get out of that cloud of that particular serious and preoccupying circumstance that I was living in. I'm now a cancer survivor, which is great, of course. I made it, so that's my story. You don't realize how much I need you 
time I'll never leave you Please come on back to me I'm lonely as can be I need you Said you had a thing or two to tell me How was I to know you would upset me I didn't realize As I looked in your eyes You told me Oh yes, you told me You don't want my loving anymore That's when it hurt me And feeling like this I just can't go on anymore Please remember how I feel about you I could never really live without you So come on back and see Just what you mean to me That's obviously from the remastered ones because of all that beautiful. Yeah, it is actually. I was thinking the same thing. I said, this is, uh, this is one of the remastered. This is the remastered version of this song. It really is so simple and lovely. Yeah, and you think of, you know, all the things that I concerned myself with when I worried as a kid and so forth and what, what, what she went through and her story. Um, yeah, what a great friend music can be. Yeah, and, and a happy ending. Yeah, and a happy ending. Thank you for that. It actually makes me think of uh, another one of the songs uh, and stories that we got uh, from a listener. This is from Megan, and she lives in Los Angeles. We're going to play a song from an artist that she talks about that everyone has heard a million times before, but, man, I never got tired of hearing it growing up whenever it came on the radio. This is Megan from Los Angeles. So one night, my mom uh, had a bunch of her lady friends over to play bridge, and she quarantined my sister and me to... uh, my brother's room, my older brother, Casey, who had gone off to college and he'd left a bunch of CDs and I was going through some of them. And there was this one that caught my eye, it had this really weird pagan symbols on it. It had this image of a man with a haystack on his back and there was no title to the album. And I was just like, I have to listen to this. What is this? And so I put it in and from the minute it started. I just completely freaked out. I'd never heard anything like it before. The only music I'd been listening to before was musical theater and church music. (laughs) The whole thing just oozed sex and, and, you know, Robert Plant's vocals. And I sometimes consider it my first sexual experience because the whole thing was just so raw. And um, I suddenly knew who I was. Well, I mean, I guess nobody really knows who they are right away, but I had a, a better understanding of who I was. I was a rock and roller. I really responded to that identity, and I started seeking out the sort of hippie culture. I felt cool because I knew who I was, or I thought I did. I was on my way to knowing that, and Led Zeppelin really got me through those times. It really sort of formed this core of my identity.
Oh, Megan, thank you so much. <laughs> the, the smiles that just lit up this room. I got goosebumps again hearing that. Oh, my God, I love that song so much. You know, one of the things she talked about um, that I thought was interesting is something that you and I talked about when you first did your blog post about tunes to get you through your teens. We talked about why it's so hard for some people to like certain kinds of music and easy for them to like other kinds of music. And, and you noted that it's sometimes because music is so connected to a specific scene, right? Yeah. And, and Megan, when she heard rock and roll, she knew, I am rock and roll. Right. And she says, you know, she started seeking out that whole group. Where are the people like me? I just thought that was so awesome, her yeah, story. I loved it. You know, I was thinking about the other night. We uh, both had a, uh, the same experience in a different room, which is the same as turning on a radio and all across the, you know, your, the local area. Mm -hmm. People hear the same song, but they could be in their own rooms. And we did it with Yanzi. Yanzi, oh, yeah, yeah. Yanzi, uh, Jan Thor Bergeson is the lead singer for Sigaros, and he did a show at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles. And we did a video webcast of that concert. I know you were uh, home in your room and I was home yeah. in my bedroom uh, watching this, connected to all these people in a chat room from where? From all over the world. Brazil, Argentina, Taipei, London, India. Ontario. Yeah, and then all over, all over the U.S. and of course Iceland. People from all over the world. And I was thinking if I was 15 or 16 years old and I heard Yanzi for the first time, and that's how I heard him, I would remember that moment forever. It was yeah. a transcending concert, just imagery. Uh, his songs, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be, if not my favorite album of the year, certainly one of my favorite albums of the year. Uh, the songs are unbelievable. The lyrics are unbelievable. Singing is just like no one else in the, in the world. And so I guess what I'm getting at is those experiences still happen, though we're playing old music, uh, because people are talking about their teens right. as they are adults, so we're looking backward. Right. It doesn't mean that this doesn't still happen today. Right. It happens different. It's not in the record store, right? And it's not... Well, it can be on the radio. There's certainly lots of great radio stations out there. Mm -hmm. It could be on a on a stream, or it could be uh, on a video concert that happens from somewhere in the world and places you right there mm -hmm. uh, by turning on your computer. Yeah. You talk about discovering stuff on the radio. I think it does still happen, but maybe people are listening to more and more radio stations online. I mean, there, there's something so much more intimate when I hear something that's a total surprise on the radio versus someone handing me something and saying, that's here, right. you need to listen to this yeah. because, you know, you're sort of expecting a certain thing. It, you're really discovering it. You're, yeah, it, It's absolutely. unfolding in front of you. And in Washington, D.C., there's not a radio station that plays any kind of music that I care for. There's a hot jazz Saturday night show that I love listening to 20s and 30s jazz. But for the everyday new music, contemporary music that comes out, it's, it doesn't exist for me. You may live in a city where there is one. You may uh, turn on uh, XPN, uh, on your internet radio, or you might listen to KEXP or KCRW or whatever. The current, yeah. Yeah, the current. So I think it does happen, does unfold, uh, but just not to the degree that, that it used to. That Yonzi concert you talked about, um, we'll have it online for people to watch the whole video um, for just a couple of days, actually. We have a, a real strict time limit on how long we'll have it up, but then we'll have some highlights from it, just a, a handful of songs from it, so people can still go and check that out. The record's called Go. Check that record out. You know, something you told me one time, and I, you know, we sit by each other all day long and we're talking and telling stories and coming up with ideas for the show. And at some point, a number of years ago, it came out that you actually like Cheap Trick. And I was really surprised 
to hear that you like Cheap Trick. They were, for me, an extension not too far from the Beatles, really. Okay, so you think of Cheap Trick is, what, 77, 78? Right, their first one. The Beatles had broken up, you know, only six years previous, so it seems like light years in many ways. So they were, they hearkened to a very, a little heavier side of what the Beatles did. They weren't quite in the fold of the new wave music coming out because they sort of were more big star kind of pop or power pop than a lot of the punk and new wave stuff coming out. So they're kind of a, a, an odd fit, but they've totally made me, especially the first two records, uh, I absolutely love. I went and saw them at a big, uh, a relatively big arena, which is a very rare thing for me back in those days. I hated that kind of stuff, yeah. but um, didn't. And they were just fantastic. They also showed up one night as a surprise band in the at the 930 Club after they did a show at, uh, at a local arena oh, wow. and just came and did a guest appearance, and that was pretty fabulous. Well, uh, we got a, a note from um, one of our listeners who he actually didn't leave his name, but he's got a story that I love about how Cheap Trick became one of his closest friends. Oh, good. I suppose the band that really kind of did the most for me uh, and got me through my teenage years in a lot of ways was the band Cheap Trick. And I kind of had this unhealthy obsession with these guys. I really listened to them, honestly, every day after school. I would go home and put on their records and sing along with them and just really kind of scream along with them at, at certain times because that's kind of the way the music was. And it was real primal and, and also very poppy and weird. So it was fantastic. Of course, I got a lot of uh, fun poked at me for liking Cheap Trick. A lot of my friends were into bands like Black Sabbath and Kiss and, you know, Harder Edge stuff, uh, Led Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, I, I caught a lot of grief. Uh, but then, you know, uh, I just knew it wasn't all just I want you to want me and surrender. There was also uh, these really strange songs off their first album, Ballad of TV Violence, He's a Whore. Really kind of r- r- hard rocking stuff that, that uh, was not at all the image that uh, everybody thought of when they thought of Cheap Trick and they, those singles, I Want You to Want Me, Ain't That a Shame and all that stuff. I saw them many times over the years and eventually I grew up and uh, stopped listening to them so much. And uh, around that time, you know, I, I was working in a bar one night. I was in my 20s, not really following them anymore. And it was a slow night. And of all things, you know, I'm sitting there, nobody's in my bar. And then, you know, somebody walks in the door and, uh, you know, who should it be? But uh, a couple members of the band, it was, uh, you know, Tom, Rick, and Bunny, and a couple other guys, I guess, from their crew. And uh, they came in, walked straight up to my bar, filled it. And... I thought somebody was watching me with a hidden camera. It was fantastic. I was able to buy them a drink. They insisted that he buy their own drinks. I said, oh man, you don't even know. You just don't even know. I owe you guys so much. So it was a, it was a great closure to, uh, to my freak years. And uh, I still, to this day, can't thank them enough. I don't necessarily listen to them so much anymore. Uh, you know, I got a couple songs on my iPod uh, that still survive. But uh, man... They really, really helped me through those years.
And, and that song is one of the ones he mentioned uh, in his note to us, The Ballad of TV Violence, I'm Not the Only Boy, Cheap Trick from their, from their first CD. And, and he mentioned that he doesn't... First album, I should say, yeah, not yeah. first CD. <laughs> he, he mentioned that he doesn't listen to them much anymore, but grateful for them. And that uh, It's sort of a recurring theme we got in a lot of our, our notes from listeners, too, was that these songs that were so important to them and some of the most important years of their lives, they don't necessarily listen to anymore, but it's sort of that, that friend who will always be with you. Yeah, it's sort of nice to... I mean, for me, I'm hearing things that were were my friends as kids and, and uh, as, as a kid, and it's, it's nice to hear. That Zeppelin. <laughs> Good that was so Lord. nice. Well, what I really loved uh, about this guy's story was his enthusiasm for this band. Yeah. I mean, he just was like, I was my freak ears, and I loved it, you know? I just loved how much he loved that band. And identity, identifying with yeah. a band, uh, that, uh, that notion, I think, that uh, may come up in other stories, which is you, you feel part of something. Yeah. You really feel part of something. And I think that's one of the great things about music is ethereal as music is, as hard as it is to describe why you like something, the one thing that you can say is that you feel a connection to it. Yeah. Why you feel that connection, that's hard to say. And, and in fact, maybe you just don't even say it, but you do feel it. And, and yeah, don't talk about it, Bob. Yeah. Let's just let it happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've got another story. This is uh, from a woman named Karen who lives in Maine, and she talks about her love for Simon and Garfunkel, which was also, uh, I, I really loved listening to those guys growing up, too. Their music just was just such a, a close companion for me and, and for her, too. And, you know, for me, too, I, I think you mentioned that you were sort of surprised I like them. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was. I just just because I I mean I know you you like plenty of um you know pretty pretty folk type music now. Uh but I just I would think from that time when you were growing up and all the other music I know you were listening to at the time, I didn't really understand where they fit in with all of that. The best poetry. It really is, Paul isn't Simon? it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and bookends, the one record that just surprise the hell out of me is bookends because of all the production that goes on in terms of like becoming a lover of sound Mm -hmm. and sound collage and and the things that you could throw into a song beyond a guitar and drums and bass uh bookends that's that's certainly the one i don't don't remember what karen picks but uh let's she uh she mentioned the song that everyone will know so let's just play it okay hi this is karen from cape elizabeth maine with a story about the song that got me through my teens, and it was Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. It was my favorite song, and still is. Just always has been, and I'm a lot older now. I loved it because a brother who I just adored loved it, and he taught me all things that were cool, and I paid attention. And every time I moved in my teens, when I moved into my first college dorm, in every apartment that I moved into, and when I moved into my house, I would have a ritual of putting that record on the record player and playing it to make a ceremony out of making a new home. For me, I think it also has extra significance because I'm a twin, so I always did have that someone who was always there for me and a, and a bridge over troubled water. It helped me get through my teen years, but also through my children's teen years. So that's it. Thank you.
Most beautiful voice ever. Yard Garfunkel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I listened to this a lot growing up, too. I don't remember how I found Simon and Garfunkel, but because uh, my family never really played much music. Uh, my parents really never played any music, uh, maybe some classical yeah. music or something. And But I remember playing this. I was maybe a senior in high school, and I remember playing this album, and my mom and dad being in the kitchen and I heard, overheard my dad say, say to my mother, basically music hasn't got, you know, nothing since this record came out, nothing has been as good. Huh. And that this is just the most beautiful music ever. And I remember being so surprised to hear him say that because I never heard him listen to music at all. I didn't even know that they knew who Simon and Garfunkel were. But, you know, and I was the kid. I should have been getting it from them. But um, There's something very universal about this. And I, I wonder if, uh, if, it, if people were... 16 years old today could listen to this song and not just think of this as fuddy-duddy music. It's very you know? sappy. It is. Yeah. yeah. But it, how beautiful, more beautiful can it get? Yeah. I love the, the timpani and all going here. Well, let, let's let it uh, go ahead and play out. And it was, yeah, really, it was really, really great. nice hearing all these stories and, and from everybody. Yeah, the four, five, six hundred stories we got, they're all on a blog post under Tunes That Got You Through Your Teens. I'm Bob Boylan along with Robin Hilton for NPR Music. It's all songs considered.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company, challenging the status quo and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of innovative craft brews and non-alcoholic options, it's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When your celebration of life is prepaid today, your family is protected tomorrow. Planning ahead is truly one of the best gifts you can give your family. For additional information, visit DignityMemorial.com. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.